Part 10 of Herein is Love by Rule Howe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. Herein is Love, a study of the biblical doctrine of love in its bearing on personality, parenthood, teaching, and all other human relationships by rule l howe part ten relationship as resource we come now to a consideration of the quality of relationship that nurtures persons we discussed this earlier from the point of view of the child's need to be loved his need to love and his need to have his efforts to love welcomed but now we turn to a discussion of relationship as a resource from the point of view of the one who is giving the love we are thinking of the parent the teacher the pastor or any other person who makes himself responsible for others it is curious how little we think of our relationship with one another as a resource when someone comes to us who is in trouble we often say i wish i could think of something to do or say that would help him not realizing that the greatest thing we can do is to be a person in relation to him here again we realize the meaning of the incarnation everyone who hopes to participate in the life of christ in the world today is called to be a person in relation to others and whatever he thinks to do or say should be an expression of what he is if we say or do something that is helpful to others it is because we are really present to them really hear what they are trying to say and they know that we are with them on the other hand we all have had the experience when we were in trouble and needed help of having would-be advisers and comforters make all kinds of suggestions and verbalize all kinds of would-be comforting thoughts but have lacked the feeling that they were really with us. I sometimes have the impression that we like the idea of being helpful persons, but dislike the demand and disturbance that goes with it. It is easier to be depersonalized and professional, but professionalism is the enemy of relationship. Professionalism is the product of a relationship for its own sake, or for the sake of the helping person who is conducting it rather than for the one for whom it is intended physicians for instance exhibit professionalism when they practice medicine without concern for the patient teachers exhibit professionalism when they teach their subject as an end in itself or for their own satisfaction ministers can be professional in relation to their parishioners parents can be professional in relation to their children any relationship can deteriorate into mere professionalism what are some of the marks of professionalism in the first place professionalism is marked by condescension in which an attitude of superiority is evident parents are heard to say children are just children you know they don't know what they want they don't know what they're talking about attitudes of condescension are contradictory to the concept of incarnation which 
means to be a part of and identified with another. Condescension, therefore, closes us to the possibility of being indwelt by the Spirit and from being the instruments of love. Another mark of professionalism is its manipulative tendency. We push people around and get them to do what we want them to do because it is easier that way. Mother knows best. You do it because I tell you. Obviously, the professional attitude is alienating because people do not like to be pushed around, and they will not be, if they can help it, and if they are, they resent it. Professionalism impoverishes relationship because, for instance, neither the parent nor the child gives or receives. The effect of professionalism does not need to be spelled out in any greater detail because we all have experienced and participated in it. We may more usefully turn our attention to a study of the character of relationship that is the source of life. The Values of Mutuality Personal growth is nurtured best in relationships in which the quality of mutuality makes growth a possibility for both the child and the parent, the pupil and the teacher. If growth occurs on one side, it must take place also on the other. If parent or teacher does not grow, then we must conclude that the relationship is not mutual and that the child will not prosper either. Mutuality means that the teacher and pupil, or parent and child, are open to each other. When one speaks, he expects to be heard by the other. Communication inevitably takes place in a relationship of mutual expectancy. Communication produces a personal encounter in which one addresses and the other responds, and a real meeting occurs. We cannot make this kind of personal meeting take place. We can only prepare ourselves for it, which is one way of thinking of prayer. When we practice expectancy in our relationships, we are preparing ourselves for possible depth meanings that may take place between others and ourselves. Preparation means ridding ourselves of prejudices and preconceptions, fears and anxieties, ulterior motives and purposes, in order that we may speak the word of love and truth to others and really hear the word of love and truth that they speak to us. In similar fashion, we may prepare ourselves to be open to whatever God may speak to us through persons or situations during that day. Finally, because we have thus prepared ourselves for a real meeting between people, we will not so easily seek to manipulate and exploit them. Mutual Attention The quality of mutuality calls for mutual attention. Those who would call each other into being and be the instrument of God's love in human relations must pay attention to each other. It is difficult to speak if we do not have the listener's attention. It is difficult to listen if we do not have the speaker's attention. Absence of mutual attention breaks down communication. Sermons may not have the attention of the congregation because the preacher's attention is fixed only on the sermon as a production, or on 
himself as a performer and not on the congregation that he is now addressing and whose response is necessary if his sermon as communication is to be completed likewise a child may not hear the parent because the parent is not really paying attention to the child we hear ourselves saying look here you pay attention to me we say it in desperation because we know that our angry command will not accomplish the desired result the inattention that we receive from one another discourages us personally and blocks the possibility of the dialogue that might reunite us how can we secure the attention of others the answer is simple by being attentive as a teacher i have found that if i am really attentive to my pupils they pay attention to me but if i am just doing a job and not really concerned about them they do not hear me because i am not hearing them if we want attention we must be attentive if we want love we must love if we want anything we must give it this is a christian principle we cannot demand something and get it attention then is a gift that we give one another we give the gift of attention and receive it in return we have no automatic right to it nor does anyone attentiveness is something that can be learned we learn by having eyes that see and ears that hear eyes of course are made for seeing and ears for hearing but we can learn also to hear with our eyes and see with our ears when i am seeking to understand another for example i find that what i see in his face and manner helps me to understand what he is saying and likewise attentive hearing helps me to understand what he is also revealing in his face and manner we pay attention by watching the eyes facial expressions and behavior of people by listening for the question behind the question and for the meaning behind the meaning remembering that there is tremendous content behind what is said and shown if we would be servants of love we must have ears that really hear and eyes that really see and like our lord hear and see deeply in order that the truth which men are really seeking may be found such hearing and seeing was the gift of christ to men and should therefore be the gift of christians to men it follows then that the good teacher is one who participating in a relationship with our master teacher can accept any question that a person may bring knowing that if he stays with it he will be led step by step to that person's real concern when the teacher gives that kind of attention the students are more apt to respond relevantly which is their attention to the teacher then the teacher has the wonderful experience of mutual attention in which meaningful communication has taken place what i have said about teaching and the relationship between teacher and pupil is true of all relationships the reward for the gift of attention is that others will respond with clues in the form of questions or comments 
that will enable us to meet them at the point of the meaning of their life not only does this kind of listening provide a basis for a highly significant curriculum for teaching as we saw earlier but also a basis for true human community and communication our self-centeredness however gives us a natural pull away from attentiveness but the spirit of christ who in drawing us to him draws us to one another will make mutual attentiveness possible so that two-way communication will become a reality for us one current objection to this kind of mutual attentiveness travels under two guises one is the possibility of being offensively nosy and intrusive the other is the fear of really violating the privacy of other people certainly privacy should be respected and we should not force ourselves upon others but attentiveness is not intrusiveness every human being wants to be known and to know as a person and in ways that are both conscious and unconscious we seek others that we may be known and may know attentiveness is really alertness to the lonely cry of man and respects rather than violates the individual's separateness and sanctity mutual respect mutual respect is also a necessary quality in human relations respect for oneself and for others is not as common as one might expect we find self-concern and some concern for others but not respect respect for others is hard to maintain if one does not respect oneself and it is appalling to realize what low estimates many people have of themselves although they may disguise from themselves and others their despair about themselves in many ingenious ways lack of self-respect nevertheless is characteristic of many people's self-image their view of themselves results largely from their experiences in relationship many of which we have already discussed we may try to prevent the development of negative attitudes and feelings toward ourselves and our children but no matter how loving we try to be we shall inevitably cause some injury distortion and deprivation to the maturing person what then is the answer to this human problem if the effect of growing up is to produce in us misgivings about ourselves and others how can we acquire the self-respect and respect for others which is necessary for those who would truly serve god and man since mutual respect is a necessary condition for creative human relations it is necessary that the vicious circle of non-respect be broken by someone it is at this point that our participation in the recreating life of god in christ which is made possible by the presence and work of his spirit in us makes a decisive difference in our self-estimate the incarnation is the affirmation of god's faith in his creation christ is an expression of god's faith in man and what he is able to do 
through man the principle of mutuality which we have been affirming in our present discussion is true not only for the relation between man and man but between man and god as well for the love of god in christ affirms our value as persons in his desire to work through the people who will respond to his love and shows his respect for what they can do god's love and respect for men was expressed through the person of jesus and continues to be expressed through persons in each generation his people the servants of his spirit are the ones who will break the vicious circle of mutual non-respect and give the gift of mutual respect we can respect others therefore because god shows his respect for us by loving and working through us when we have a great task to do that calls for the courage and heroism of love we can take a chance and set ourselves to the task because our faith in god makes it possible to have faith in ourselves and in those whom we would love when we let our misgivings deter us so that we turn away from the challenges of love we not only repudiate ourselves but also turn our backs on god's affirming judgment of us mutual respect has some identifiable characteristics first we must respect one another as autonomous deciding persons we cannot make our children and others do what we think they ought to do we can only meet them with whatever resources we have and out of respect for their own power of decision and action leave them free to make their response then when they have made it we must respect it even though they may not be doing what we want them to do or doing it in the way we think best our decisions and way of life will not work for others we must also respect one another's dependence but respect for others dependence should not increase it that is we should try to meet their need but not exploit it some years ago i was invited to lead a clergy conference on the subject of pastoral counseling during the opening dinner before the beginning of the sessions i sat next to a minister who tried to impress me with how much he knew about pastoral counseling among other things he said you know it's a wonderful thing to stand up before my congregation on sunday morning and be able to count the increasing number of people who depend upon me for my pastoral care the temptation to exploit human need is insidious and we have all succumbed to it many times and in many ways that pastor might better have rejoiced in those of his congregation who in spite of their dependence and need were able to use his help in their own independent way and thus grow stronger and more resourceful likewise we may minister to the needs of our children and accept their dependence in ways that demonstrate our respect for them and our expectation that they will become more responsible mutual respect also calls for respect of others who must answer for their own lives while it is true that we are dependent upon god and his love for us our response as individuals is a necessary complement 
to what he has done the source of our life and of our redemption is in god but we have to respond and our responsible action makes complete what god has done for us therefore we respect ourselves as having within ourselves the power of answer for our own lives mutual respect for one another as responsible beings increases our self-respect and conversely our growing self-respect increases the respect we have for others mutual trust mutual trust is a third necessary quality in human life as we saw earlier nothing can happen in any relationship where there is not trust and yet lack of trust is everywhere prevalent the great question is how can we trust when we have such strong feelings of mistrust not only of persons but also of the process of life i have often had these misgivings as a teacher when beginning with new students i wondered how we could go through the crises of learning again where would i find the strength and courage for the challenges would they respond to their opportunities and resources parents have the same questions when they think of their children and wonder if after all the years of care they will turn out all right sometimes we become overwhelmed at the sheer weight and endlessness of our responsibilities and in those moments we become profoundly discouraged the need of love is desperate and we feel wholly unequal to meeting that need how wonderful it would be if we could have more confidence in ourselves and in others and likewise in the processes of life to which we must commit ourselves the answer to this longing is in the old but ever new affirmation that those who have faith in god can have faith in man and in the relationships of life as we read paul's epistles to the corinthians we may notice that he seems to have been more confident of them than they were of themselves yet his confidence in them was not so much in them as it was in the holy spirit because of the spirit he had reason to have confidence in what the spirit would do among in and through them along this same line a teacher made the following comment about his experience in one of his classes on one occasion i was suffering from some agenda anxieties afraid that the members of the class in the course of their discussion would not arrive at some important and necessary insights i was tempted to make sure that they saw certain things in the subject that i felt they ought to see but fortunately i was restrained from interfering instead i had an exciting morning hearing all the things that i wanted to say said by them it was a great experience this illustrates how important it is for us to keep ourselves from meddling and to have confidence in the spirit then the truth appears in the midst of us much more powerfully than if we handed it out because when it appears out of the midst it comes with authority it comes with depth it is memorable the truth that comes to us in this way makes us free 
the moral is obvious let us trust what god is trying to accomplish in us and therefore trust one another to trust in the spirit's working through dialogue does not mean that we shall be successful in all our endeavors people's response to being trusted is not dependable or consistent man's response to god's trust expressed in the life of christ produced the crucifixion we all have had the experience of having our trust in others betrayed this tempts us to become bitter to lose faith in man and to lose faith in god but these responses are not a contradiction of trust they are a part of the curriculum of trust trust if it is to do its full work must include mistrust and faith must include doubt i am helped to accept this insight because of the awareness of the doubt that is so much a part of my own faith which god accepts as a part of me and which gives my faith something to do after all faith is for doubt courage is for anxiety love is for hate instead of resenting hate anxiety doubt and mistrust we should accept them as a part of life we are called by the divine love to be lovers called by god to be his servants called by the saving person to be his person in the realm and the relationship of the personal we are precious and important to one another and to god we have a responsibility for others that must be met by our first being responsible for what we are in ourselves the instrument for the revelation in personal terms of the power of love it is imperative therefore that if we are to love others as we love god we must love ourselves as being infinitely precious to god and ourselves and indispensable because we have responded to a means of salvation for one another end of part ten recording by bill mosley lano county texas usa